Pastor Doug. Are we ready for this? Good. Let me start with this. Uh, if you're, I don't know, fifth grade and younger and you don't have one of these right now, you might want one of these. It's, it's your two-sided version of what we're going to be talking about this morning. So Tanny is in the back. If you'd like to get up and go get that and come back to your seat so that you can have some fun things to do that have to do with our sermon this morning, which, by the way, is the last in a series that Jim Hammond started a number of weeks ago, three weeks ago now. This is our fourth week out called A Way Out. Uh, by way of introduction, I am Doug Bridge, Pastor Family Ministries. I am not Jim Hammond. He's the good-looking one with hair. Okay. So this way out, um, could we go ahead and move on to the next slide for just a moment, please? We're going to be talking about something this morning that hopefully will wrap up the three weeks that we've been in. If you've not been here for those, or if you've missed a few, I'll do a quick review in just a moment. But I, I want to start out with a, a disclaimer, and hopefully it won't get lost in the shuffle. The disclaimer is this. We're going to talk about becoming spiritually stronger. And the interesting thing is, biblically, um, that has a unique definition that's different than what we might normally think. This idea of becoming spiritually stronger um, really is about becoming spiritually dependent on somebody else who is strong. It isn't that I'm going to become so independently strong spiritually on my own that I will be able to handle any temptation that comes my way, and I am so ready for this. It's that as I become spiritually strong, I understand that I am so weak, and I am so frail, and I am so in trouble all the time if I don't rely on my source of strength being Jesus Christ. So as we talk about this idea of growing stronger through through this time together, um, please understand, I'm not talking about you becoming a spiritual giant. Jesus Christ already took care of that. He's the spiritual giant we want to have in our corner. So let's move on to the verse that Jim has used now for three weeks, and, and for us a fourth. It comes out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you bear, you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Interestingly, if you go online and look up this notion of temptation, it's not a spiritual thing. Everybody out there, whether they have a spiritual bone in their body or not, whether they think there is a God or not, will all agree that temptation is a part of the human condition. We all face it, and we all pretty much have a losing record. That being said, this verse flies in the face of that, doesn't it? This verse says it doesn't have to be that way. Certainly, temptation will come your way. It speaks to that very clearly. But it also says that God is involved with you through the process of being tempted. 
Not that he's bringing the temptation, but he's there as a source of strength if we will rely on him. And so that's, that's the unique and amazing promise that, uh, that, we, that we have to look at today. In, in Jim's first week, he reminded us of some important things about temptation. First of all, that temptation is not sin. Thank you, Lord. Because if temptation was sin, we'd be sinning all the time. Temptation is what can lead us into sin. And the kids have talked about for the last three weeks in children's church about this idea that there are all kinds of sources of temptation. You know, we all want to say the devil made us do it. The bottom line is he's not as involved as we think he is. Because the world also offers us all kinds of temptation. And then, and then there's the one that's probably our biggest problem. Us. Me. For me. Not, not me for you, hopefully. But you for you and, and me for me, okay? Uh, this idea of, of I am sometimes my biggest problem. Why do I allow myself to even get into that kind of a situation in the first place? What was I thinking? Oh, yeah, I wasn't. So, so temptation is not a sin. No one is above being tempted. You know, lest we think we're above such things. Oh, man, get ready for a big one. And finally, in that first week, that God always provides a way out, and that's that's right there highlighted at the end of this verse. There's always a way provided out by God. In the second week, Jim talked about this idea of temptation brings us to a point always of needing to make a decision. Interestingly, the decision will always be submission and it will always be yielding. Ooh, and it got really quiet. That one must have sunk in and hurt. It's submission no matter which way you choose, and it's yielding no matter which way we choose. i got to be careful I don't say you too much, because you can see me, so there we are. This, this idea of yielding is either to the temptation and then we sin, or we yield and submit to Christ, and we have victory. And here's the good news. The more the victory, the stronger we become in Christ. Finally, last week, Jim talked about this idea that, that the choice is, is one of either walking in the spirit or walking by the flesh. And, and the definition for flesh was, it was dynamic for me. It's that inherent, inherited tendency towards living a self-centered life instead of a godly life? Do I feed my spiritual walk or do I feed my flesh? Do I starve my spiritual walk or do I starve my flesh? And this morning we're gonna talk about what that walking in the spirit specifically looks like. Uh, so let's bring, that brings us to our focus. And here we go. What do you do to grow spiritually stronger? If your answer is that you come here, that's a great start. 
But if that's your sum total of your answer, how do I say this nicely? You be weak and such. Um, this whole notion of, of becoming spiritually stronger requires three things. And so let's look at the first one, which is for those of you that are filling in blanks and love to do those things, whether you have the kid's big paper or, or the one that's in the, the bulletin, point number one is grow stronger with prayer. Prayer is kind of like physical exercise. If we exercise, we will go stronger, grow stronger. If we pray, we will, will grow stronger. And, and I want to throw in here, because it sounds like I'm standing in church talking to some people about the Bible, because I just used the word prayer. And sometimes that throws people off. As soon as they hear that word, it's like, I, I don't do that. I don't even get that. I'm not sure what that is. So let me put it in children's church terms. Talk to God. It's real simple. Really. If you can talk to another person, you can talk to God. You can actually talk to God in ways you can't talk to the other person. I cannot talk to my wife like I talk to God because this doesn't work. I just told her I loved her. Did you hear me? Of course not, neither would she. But God will. I mean, while I'm driving down the road with my eyes wide open, paying attention, I can be talking to God and it doesn't have to be out loud which in you know, traffic situations is sometimes a good thing because you could be considered awfully odd <laughs> if you're in there mumbling to yourself. Let's go to the verse that we have for this, Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Oh, look, it really does tie together. He's not just up there trying to make the Bible work for him. The verse just says it. And do you see where it's from? Guess who said it? It wasn't Matthew. He just wrote it down. It was Jesus that said this. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Oh, and do we know this one well or not? You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch and do what? Watch and? Okay, that was pretty good. That was sort of like if you were talking to God silently in the back of your own car. Okay, you watch and? Pray. Thank you, very good. It's kind of scary too up here, I gotta say, you guys were good on that one. Okay, this idea of watching and praying so that you will not fall. Good, good. You didn't have to go any further, that was great. Do you know what we never say? Oh, you know last week, oh, it, was, it was amazing. I was walking along and I fell into righteousness. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Maybe somebody was walking by with a Bible, or maybe there was somebody praying and I didn't know it, but there I was and I, I just, I, I fell into holiness. It was amazing ever since. I just, I, I'm just beaming. I fell into righteousness. Yeah, and the reason you laughed is because it doesn't work that way, does it? We fall into temptation but the whole righteousness thing, the whole walking in the spirit thing requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of attention. It requires some dedication. It requires a loving relationship. And, and so since 
righteousness, and since walking in the Spirit doesn't come by falling into it, but temptation is what we fall into, then we need to watch. And if you think about it, this is a great line. I've always wondered, watch what? Well, for me, in children's church, it makes sense. If you're not watching, you're going to fall. You got to watch where you're going. Watch what you're doing. You know, if you're using a chainsaw, you better pay attention. So watch and pray, and then we won't fall into temptation. Interestingly, Jesus said this in a place that you may know about. It's a little garden called Gethsemane. He was facing perhaps the largest temptation he'd ever faced, which was, does he really want to go through what's coming next for you and me? Because he knows how bad it's going to be. He knows how horrible it's going to be. He knows what it's going to mean to his relationship with his father. And the temptation is huge. He asks God, would you please remove this from me? Can't we do this another way? Isn't it possible that we could accomplish this same wonderful goal without that? Which means at that moment, what was he doing? Yeah. The most beautiful part of that prayer is as Jesus wraps things up, he says to his father, nevertheless, God, not my will, but your, your will be done. That, that's, be, that's what he did for me. That's what he did for you. But the temptation was to walk away because it would have been easier. This idea of submission that Jim talked about, it's found in the book of James also where we are to submit to God and in submitting to God, we're able to resist Satan. When I'm submitted to God, I grow stronger spiritually. When I'm yielding to God, I, I lean on his strength and I lean on his power and his purpose. So here's the deal. We've got to pray and pray and pray. Or if you prefer, talk to God, talk to God and talk to God. And in 1 Thessalonians, which we're not going to put up there, 517, it's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. It's not the shortest, but it's one of the shortest. It says, pray without ceasing or pray continually, depending on which translation you read. Don't stop praying. When I was younger, a long, long time ago, I wondered how it would be possible to talk to God continually. How crazy a notion is that? Certainly that's just kind of an idea. It's a goal. It's a wonderful thing. To, the, the word I'm not supposed to use here is aphorism. For those of you that like big words and fun words, that's a great one. You'll have to look it up though. Um, it's not just there for that. When I was younger, I didn't realize that there were other people in the world. I thought I was the center of the universe. And as I become less and less the center of the universe and, and my, my universe has been filled with more and more wonderful people, I realize the needs that they have. And to be a, a good brother in Christ and to bear their burdens 
I need to be talking to God about them and for them and with them. And then there's family. And of course, there's always health. Apparently, there's temptation. And there are people that we support that are missionaries from here that their, their lives are on the line every day out there. And there are those people that I, I've never even met in other countries who are turning to Christ, but they're in a country where the faith that they're turning from to turn towards Christ says, repent or die, recant or die. And do you know that there aren't enough hours in the day to pray for all the things we need to pray for? That's really what it's about, isn't it? And so in, in a constant conversation with God, it's what I need to do. Let's go to number two. Grow stronger with God's word. Now, we're going to get to a verse in just a moment that almost all the kids in this room know by heart. Not all of them, but most of them. We're not there yet. This first one that we're going to put up is from Psalm 119, verse 9. And it says, here, I'll look at this one. I don't want you guys to feel left out over here. Okay. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Is that a great question or what? And some of us are going, yeah, it's not for me because I'm not a young person anymore. Yeah, compared to Methuselah, we're all just little spring chickens, okay? So, so yeah. Uh, how does a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. And, and this notion of spending time in God's word is, is an amazing one. It's one that I think we balk at because we think it's something odd or hard or weird or strange or above our pay grade or beyond our educational level or, you know, I don't read. Yeah, well, sorry, it's on tape and it's on your phone now, so I don't know where that goes, but um, this isn't about spending time reading the latest social media post. This is about spending time reading God's posts. The thing that God, God has left for us sent to us so that we can hang in there. Now, if we go to the next section of the same passage, we go to 10 through 16. Coming over here, sorry. Here we go. I seek you with all my heart. I'd ask you to raise your hands, you know, but that's tough, isn't it? All my heart? How about part of my heart? How about some of my heart on some days? No disclaimers. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart, kids, that I might not sin against you. That's our key verse for Pulse. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. And you know if you hit the lottery, which of course you don't play. But you know if you hit the lottery, everybody would know. And everybody would be at your door wanting their part, right? But there, there's this level of excitement when somebody comes into a grand inheritance. And this says, I rejoice in following your statutes, your word, as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate. Wow. Are we too busy even to meditate anymore? I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. And then just to drive it home, he uses the negative because everything's been positive. I do not neglect your word. 
it's really difficult for me to read my Bible as I drive down the streets of Cottonwood. It's very difficult. But you know what's easy? Meditating on the passages that I've memorized. And if you're one in this room who is saying, come on, you're old, you know. It's almost impossible once you're past 21. (laughs) And I've been past 21 for like a lot of years. It's not impossible, but it's extremely difficult, I will admit. You know what's really difficult is when, when I learned Romans 12, 1 and 2 originally from the King James Version. Yeah, I'm that old. And then... Then I went to college, and they were using the New American Standard, and I had to memorize it again. Only they made me memorize the whole chapter. And then I started teaching in a Christian school, and they were using the New International Version. Now, you know what I really like to read from because it's so different? I really enjoy the New Living Translation. It's just so different than than the other things that I've memorized out of. I don't memorize out of it yet because I'm already, when I, when I would say, if I were to say Romans 12, 1 and 2 to you right now, you know what you'd hear? You'd hear the King James New American International Doug version. <laughs> it would be a mishmash of all of them. But I have the basic ideas really well. And those are the things that I can meditate with God on while I'm driving down the street and not put anybody else's life in danger. It isn't, it isn't that we can't memorize, I'm convinced. It's that we just don't. Um, Jesus used his knowledge of the word of God, which technically isn't fair because he is the word of God. But he used the word of God against Satan when he, when he was being tempted in the wilderness. And he, he responded each time he was tempted with, no, it is written. And then he would quote scripture. No, it is written. And he'd quote scripture. No, it is written. And he'd quote scripture. It's, it's kind of like this scene from a family iconic favorite movie that we have called Princess Bride. And if you're familiar with it at all, I'm sorry. But it's just, it's a lot of fun. And there's, there's a character and his name is Inigo Montoya. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And he, you know, he's, he tells everybody that that's the purpose for his life. And how pathetic is that? But in the process of getting ready to kill this person who killed his father, he's learned to be a tremendously good swordsman. And in one of the early scenes in the movie, he's, he's doing the swashbuckling thing with, with the main character, basically, not the Princess Bride, but... Her, her soon-to-be hard-to-find husband. And, and anyway, in this process, he's, he's, and he's doing a great job. And then he, he looks at his opponent and he says, I know something you don't know. And the response is, well, what's that? I am not left-handed. <laughs> and he tosses the sword into his right hand. And then he begins to do the sword fight. Okay, that's kind of like us. I know something you don't know, for it is written. It is written. Here are some things that are written. Uh, Yeah, not on that page. We got way ahead. That's really good. All right. 
Here's some things that are written. Um, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. It is written, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I know something you don't know. I can do all things through him who gives me strength, and my God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear, but every time I am tempted, attempted, my God will always give me a way out. Ooh, let's take that. The kids understand that this idea is, is really from the notion of our armor, the armor of God, the armor we're supposed to wear. There's only one piece of armor that's offensive. I mean, you got a helmet, that's to defend yourself. You got a breastplate of righteousness, that's to defend yourself. You got the gospel uh, that shods your feet, that's, that defends you. Uh, you've got your shield of faith, it's right there. There's one piece in the armor. What is it? Nice. You guys are all over it. You're almost as good as the kids. It's the sword of the word. It's the word of God. It's, it's that thing that he places at our disposal as a weapon to use. It's the offensive weapon that brings about victory. And let's go to third now. I think, I hope. Yes. Grow stronger with the right people. This one's tough. And, and I'll do another disclaimer before we get into the discussion. If I don't have influence in the lives of people who don't know Christ, I'm missing out on one of the main purposes for my existence. I need to know people who don't know Jesus, and I need to have influence in their life, and I need to have relationship with them so that I can influence their life. But at the same time, I have to be careful because there is this dynamic that comes in this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34 says, do not be misled. You know when it says that? It usually means, okay, you're probably already misled, but I'm gonna say this so you don't get misled again. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Paul was pretty direct. He didn't pull any punches. He's not being politically correct. He's saying that we're being misled, that there is something that actually exists out there called bad company, and it can corrupt me. And... And then I, I love his directness. Stop sinning. Well, yeah, if it was that easy. But that's his point. You're not making it easy for yourself if you're in bad company and if they are having an influence on you. Being around the wrong people never helps us do the right thing. Can I say it again? Being around the wrong people never helps us do the right thing. This doesn't mean that you go to your friends that are bad company and say, uh, you know, I was really convicted Sunday. You're a horrible, horrible, horrible friend for me. 
And as much as, you know, we've enjoyed each other's company for the last 20 years, ain't gonna happen no more. It's not what it's talking about. But on the other hand, if the truth is, well, let's just, let's just get, even with the kids here, let's just get real personal. Let's just say that there's an addiction. And you're going to go hang out with those same people on Friday night at the same place that you always hung out, and, and you're not going to? Are you kidding yourself? Yes. Isn't this what Paul is talking about? Yes. Is it possible to find people that you could actually enjoy that wouldn't cause you to go that direction? Yes. Let's just start out with one. Wow, that thing got crooked. I can point over here and it goes that way now. Okay. Start out with just one. Do you have one person in your life? who really knows you. They know you well enough that when it's bad, when the temptation is in your face, they're the one that you can call, that you can go see, that you can text, that you can email, that you can FaceTime. That you... We have plenty of options, don't we? Do you have that person that is that for you because if you don't even have just the one, good luck with the group. It's hard to bare your soul to a group. But do you have the one? Do you have a couple of the ones? Do you know that Jesus had a couple of them? He had hundreds of disciples. He had 12 that were close. And of those 12, he had three that he really counted on. But of those three, John was the one. He was the guy. When Jesus needed somebody, that was who he turned to. And Jesus was God. And he had one. Not being a deity myself, I'm assuming I must need more than one. So, so this idea of, of finding an accountability partner, a spiritual buddy, a a person that you can just count on. Maybe you're going to meet with them every week. Amen. But that's, that's something that we all need because sin grows best in the dark. And if you can be by yourself or you can be with the wrong people, sin will grow. And if you feed it, it will continue to grow. And as we feed sin, we are starving, walking in the spirit. This brings us to something that isn't one of our points, but it's the perfect time for me to say it over here. Huh. Yes? Do we have one more? There it is. This has so many layers. In this room right now, I don't know if you noticed, I know I did. It's full. I'm sweating bullets up here, you guys. First of all, you're all over 12. Well, except the ones I love dearly. And second of all, there's a lot of people. 
with this many people, you've got to know that some of you right now are saying, relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it's intriguing. I thought this was about religion, and he keeps saying relationship. What are you talking about? If that's you, man, don't do life alone. Find out more about Jesus Christ. There are a ton of people here who would love to sit and talk with you about that. They would love to pray for you about that. They would love to meet with you weekly about that. All all of those things, any of those things. And if that's you this morning and you walk out of here and you haven't done something about it, it's not my fault. I'm sorry. That's on you. Just ask. Because doing life alone, especially when alone means without Christ, your, your life is, you don't know what life is yet. An abundant life, God says the, the word that he uses is it's, it's abundant to the degree that it's beyond what we can imagine. I got a great imagination. I work with kids. All right, I can imagine an awful lot. And God says it's greater than that. I'm here to tell you, and so are most of you in here that, that have known the Lord for any length of time, it's way more exciting than that. It is, it is amazing. Don't do life alone. On the other hand, if you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and you don't have that, that person that you can call, get after it. You're going to make a decision. You're going to submit and yield one way or the other, right? You're either going to submit and yield the wrong way or you're going to submit and yield to Christ. And then what about a small group? Oh, my goodness. It is, it is amazing to be in a small group of people who actually know me and still love me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I want my wife to do that, to love me anyway. She knows all of my foibles. But, but in this group that, that has been together for a couple of years now, we support each other in prayer. All, we, all somebody has to do is say, my cousin, my niece, my this, my that. And, and right away, we know what's going to go on. We know what to pray for. And then we pray. And then we spend time in God's word. And if you don't have that, don't do life alone. Here's, here's what's really exciting to me. That's a long pause, huh? But it's what's really exciting to me. When I'm walking in the Spirit, and my spiritual strength is growing day by day, the temptations are just as large, but I know what to do with them. I know where to submit, and I know how to yield. And because I'm walking in the Spirit at that time, I know that God is faithful. And I know he wants the best for me. And I know he's going to provide a way out. And I can trust and rely on him for that. Jesus is my lifesaver. He didn't just save me one day from hell so that another day, in the not too distant future, I can be in heaven. 
He saved me so that my life right now can be a pleasing aroma to him, can be a breath of fresh air to the people I come in contact with. That kind of a relationship with God where I'm walking in the spirit and I'm spending time talking to him and I'm spending time reading his love letter to me and I'm, I'm surrounding myself with the right people so that I can have an, inf- an influence on the people that don't know him yet and, and I'm in that place, in that zone, in that way. Do you see that it's really not about me being spiritually stronger? It's about me being spiritually more yielded more in tune with what God's going to want. And so when the bad thing comes, it's like, oh, no, that's, oh, no. No, no, no. All right, Lord, I'm ready for this. Come on, you're here. You've told me. We're ready. And so in this, in this moment, I want to challenge you to consider, is it, is it your prayer life? You're talking to God that you could work on first? Is it spending time in God's word and enjoying what you read there and not being overwhelmed by it, but rather tucking it in your heart so that you have that offensive weapon in your hand at all times? Is it not doing life alone and and surrounding yourself with the right people? Or perhaps it's just getting to know Jesus for the first time. But in all of these things, Jesus is the lifesaver. And it is because of his life-saving ability that we can have exciting lives with him. As you head out of here, I'm going to make that a physical reality for each of you. There are little, individually packaged, minty lifesavers. I'd like you to grab a couple, put them in your pocket. And when you use them this week, remember that the way that changes your breath and the way that you come across to other people is that same thing. And it says, it's printed right on the lifesaver. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for making that love obvious. God, thank you for your word, thank you for the ability to talk to you, the creator of the universe, just like this. Father, thank you for my my brothers and sisters in Christ who have been there for me and who have loved and supported, who are there for each other. God, I just thank you that you're that kind of a God. Would you be with each one of us today as we as we look to how we can grow stronger in our walk with you, God will trust you for all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.